It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. of the nightcap here on VSIN, and we bring in a very special guest alongside Sean King. Yep. I'm Tim Murray, and we bring in former Division I men's basketball coach, 10 years as a head coach in D1 hoops, and now out here just taking in the scene, talking to people, kissing babies. I don't know what you're doing, but it is Jamie and Christian. Uh, we appreciate it, man. How are you? It's great to be here. Great to be in Vegas. I love Las Vegas, and They've done an amazing job with the NBA Summer League. I don't know if you had a chance to watch some of it, but it's amazing to watch. We're watching it right now. Richard Jefferson is, uh, this is the experiment. Doesn't he look doing. like a ref? He looks ex- like he was born to be a ref. Right. You look from <laughs> behind this athletic build, bald, shining dome. I'm like, that's a ref. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how the results are going so far for Richard Jefferson as a, as a ref for one quarter, but... Um, yeah, it's been interesting. It's interesting because the NBA kind of – because I think the NBA gets a lot of things wrong. Like, I don't think they maximize their draft. I definitely think they fumble the opening of free agency. But I think they get summer league right. It's almost like they've turned it into, like, this midsummer convention where it's, like, part owners meeting, part, like, upper management. You know, all the actual stars generally show up, you know, to support their team. So – Ultimately, as an organization, from the playing standpoint, what are they trying to get accomplished? Are they really scouting this entire roster? Is it just to get the guys that they know are going to be like? What's the angle for most organizations? Well, it's become an amazing event, and it's become an event for the summer. I mean, you think about the year, this is the only time they actually have a chance to really get out and get together as a group. It's mm-hmm. sort of like their Final Four, where they get a chance as an organization to meet one-on-one, face-to-face. I mean, many of these organizations have scouts all over the country. Right. So they bring them in the summer league. They get a chance to spend some time, have some face-to-face. Also one of the few times where the GMs and everyone can get together face-to-face. So I think they've done a great job making an event. The other thing you got to think about is the, the G League and how large the G League is now. Uh, 30 teams that basically cover all the NBA teams right now. So this is a really opportunity for you to get a chance to do your Exhibit 10s, which are guys that are fighting for an opportunity to be on the, on the, the, uh, the team early in the year as they get to training camp and then also looking at your two-way guys. And your rookies getting a chance to get some experience. 
Great job by the NBA. The rookies get a chance to play against light competition. Yep. So they look really good in yeah. summer league, right? So that builds some ticket prices and ticket interest. It's a great job. Yeah, yeah. you're building confidence. Like you're not. That's what I'm all for. It. Like I don't even look at statistics in summer league. I just look for athleticism. You know, effort. You know, different things that are sustainable yep. no matter what the level of competition is. You know, how do you manage for a fan base? not getting too excited about a player, but also on the flip side, like take Shaden Sharp in Portland. Got injured, didn't look great before. How do you manage that, you think, for a fan base? Well, I think it's, it's, uh, it's sports and business. So I think that's the challenge. I think as a coach, you want to try to keep the expectation at a realistic level, but the business side of it says you want to push the expectation as high as it can so you can sell tickets and sell revenue in a lot of different ways. So I don't know as a coach if you're trying to balance it because you don't really have control of all that stuff, and you also want to pack the arena. So I think it's, you know, I think you understand they work hand in hand. You need both to be at the highest level. We're talking to Jamie and Christian hanging out with us in studio. Joined us all throughout the uh, the NBA playoffs. Which he was great. great, man. Yeah, I mean, you know that guy Draymond Green, Draymond, uh, Jamie, and actually played pretty well. You know, yeah, I tried to tell you for being guys overrated. <laughs> and, uh, I tried to tell you guys you know, that the Warriors were a slightly different animal for those Celtics. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, uh, but again, uh, let me say this before we get off that topic. The one thing I said about that series that I think is 100% true, they need to go out and get a legitimate point guard because their major deficiency on offense is they don't really have a ball handler. Who, Boston? Yes. So it puts Jalen and Jason in uncomfortable situations. They're not comfortable being a major ball handler. We know Marcus Smart gets most of his accolades by defense. Yeah, they brought in Malcolm Brogdon, which I thought was a great addition. But going into that series, I thought that was where – they needed someone to make those other guys a little more comfortable. Yeah, I think the point guard conversation is is always a good one. I think I think it's hard to evaluate because I also think like most NBA teams that win championships don't have a true point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look through the years from the Bulls, you know, to even even look at Tony Parker as a point guard, he was really a guy that lived in lane, created for himself more than others. The offense couldn't rein the offense. You know, I don't know if it's necessary that you need a point guard, but you need people that rotate the ball and move the ball. You know, the one thing that everyone, every team that wins, they rebound the ball. They share the basketball, and they really defend. And I think they did two out of the three really well, but they didn't share the basketball very very well. 18 turnovers. Maybe you have a point guard. Maybe that solves some of the 18 turnovers games, and they always lose when they have that many turnovers. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I think those guys, as Tatum and Brown get a little bit more mature, it's just going to be about those guys learning how to take care of the basketball more. If it works and they take care of the basketball more, you've got six nine, six eight guys out of handling the ball. That makes your defense better. Yeah, and – you know, when you look at the Boston Celtics and, you know, obviously the, the talk of the town and Sean Marks is the most popular guy here in Las Vegas. Everyone's uh, probably talking to him. Hey, the man, GM he's the got Nets. something people want. Well, yeah. I, and I'm so Sean Marks and hey, man, shooters got to shoot. Uh, he calls up the T-Wolves. Hey, why don't you give me Cat and uh, Anthony Edwards and four firsts? No, thanks. Okay. He calls the Boston Celtics, hypothetically says, I know you won't give me Jason Tatum. Give me Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. If you're the Celtics, no thank you? Or does Kevin Durant get you to where you ultimately want to go, Jamie, which is winning that title? KD, Jason Tatum? <laughs> yeah, I think it's such a de- tough decision. And here's yeah. why. I mean, you're looking at Kevin Durant. Two of his last three years, he's been shut down at some form because yeah. of an injury, right? He obviously had the Achilles injury before. Um, not necessarily there's a chance, high risk of injuring that, but that's always a level of concern and the stress that it puts on your body. I think if your team's out there, like number one, his value is going to be much greater in November and, and December sure. than it is right now because everyone, everyone knows he's trying to move. But I think that's tough. I think the Celtics believe in what they have. They believe in the young core that they have. 
that's a really tough thing to give up on. If you're going to trade for a Durant, you're really giving yourself a one or two year window mm -hmm. to go and win it. And you got to decide, do you have enough on that roster to be able to do that? If I'm the Celtics, I'm probably staying put um, because I really believe, I, I'm a guy that really believes in Jalen Brown. You win with two-way players, guys that can create for others and create for himself. I think as he continues to get better, he's not even in his mature years yet. So I think there's a lot of value there. The Funny, thing with Durant uh, is the age, the 34. Yeah, that's and, a scary he, number. He's seven foot. Look, Kevin Durant, one of the greatest players of all time, and he's he's a unicorn for his shooting capabilities. But he, you mentioned the injuries, and he is getting up there in age. I, I want to tell a funny one, one, one fact before you tell your story, and it, it's so crazy how perception and reality uh, can be so far apart. Kyrie has learned, earned every dart that gets thrown his way. He's gone out of his way to be the villain, and now he's the villain, so he's got to live with that. But it, I think Kyrie and Durant, like from a games played standpoint, are like nip and tuck since they've been with the Nets. Because of Durant's injury. Right, he missed miss the whole first right. season. So I don't think Kyrie's like way behind Durant, if at all, in amount of games played in the actual Brooklyn Nets jersey. Yeah, it's uh, we, we could get to Kyrie, but I do want to tell this funny story. Uh, so Jamian was the head coach of Mount St. Mary's in Frederick, Maryland, which is not too far away from Washington, D.C., and I was hosting a show there, and we became you know friends, and I asked him to come in and do draft night coverage with me and it was the year Jalen Brown was drafted third overall by the Celtics. And both Jamie and I were like, what? Third overall? You had actually coached against him that year, right? You had yep. played Cal that year. Like, number three? What is Danny Ainge doing? Yep. I guess Danny Ainge knew what he was doing. He's, he's all right. He turned out okay. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're looking at <laughs> NBA championship-level teams, you're looking at guys that play both ways. And yeah. They got that exactly right with Jalen Brown. And I think, you know, he's one of the guys. I've talked to a lot of GMs and assistant GMs uh, over the years about the Jalen Brown and him him finding a three. He was a guy that was quietly moving up the draft boards that no one was speaking up about and no one mm -hmm. telling the and these insiders about because they wanted him to fall to them. And so and he was a guy that in, in that draft, un, unpronounced to us, <laughs> that he was really moving up to up the draft. <laughs> yeah, they got super lucky with Jalen because they tried to screw it up. They paid the kid from Utah. Gordon Hayward. All the money. And he got injured, or he would have taken a lot of Jalen's minutes. They brought in Kyrie. That didn't work. They brought in Kimba. Like, for this core to have developed to the level that they are in Boston, they got really, really, not call it luck, but fortunate. Because normally those moves derail young players in their development and growth. I think what's so challenging in the NBA is that you've got to have a certain level of talent. And there's a price to pay for that certain level of talent. And you really, it's hard to have too much, but it's really easy to have too little. Right. And so that's where you see these kind of moves like guys like Gordon Hayward, who got injured at the time coming from Utah. I mean, what a value that was. That was a great contract Broke for them. Broke his leg first, first game. First game. I mean, oh. that, that, you can't predict something like that. But what that does, and even look at that contract that he had with them, they still would have had a time with Jalen Brown to bring him along slowly and improve him right behind Gordon Hayward. I thought they actually had a really good plan for it. Now, Gordon got hurt, so those guys had to come on a little bit sooner. You go with the Kyrie thing. Kyrie's so talented, it's hard to pass up with all that talent, especially leaving Cleveland, mm -hmm. right? And not knowing yeah. all the things that we know now. And, you know, it just didn't work culturally there in Boston. Jamie and Christian hanging out with us uh, in studio. I want to get to the Rookie of the Year conversation. We'll, we'll do that on the other side. Let's just stick with the Eastern Conference because, you know, right now, and I, I know you're not into the betting space, so we'll just show the odds and, 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 and people can look at it. The Celtics are thought to be the best team, the favorite to win the Eastern Conference again You've got the Bucks there. You've got the Heat, the Sixers. The Raptors are certainly fascinating, especially if they put together a package, which has been speculated, maybe to try to get Kevin Durant. Are people, and, and look, they're, they're the second favorite, but are people 
sleeping on the Milwaukee Bucks a little bit here, Jamian? I think so. I mean, I think they're such a dominant team. They have the most dominant player that can get yeah. the ball off the backboard, drive it the length of the floor, and be able to score. And you've got to really account for him. You know, I think they're to me they're one of the better teams, and I think I think it's going to come down to those two teams. That's why I think the Heat are the team that that everyone should watch making a mm. move. I mean, if you're the Heat roster, are you feeling confident that you can beat those two teams? But you also recognize that if you go get a guy like Kevin Durant or a guy like Kyrie Irving, you're going to be able to have a chance to go and do that. When I look, I think the East right now comes down to those two teams, and uh, you know, and they and they played one of the better better seasons this year as well. But yeah. you know, Giannis is a problem. I've got some strong opinions we got to get to on the other side because I think there are some teams <laughs> you, a that opinion. have a whole lot of value that are sitting there outside of the top five on that Eastern Conference odds list. Oh, okay. That's called a tease there. Jamie and Christian hanging out with us in studio. Ten years as a head coach in Division One basketball. He's here in town. Shake, take it in the Summer League. We'll talk some rookies and apparently some hot takes from Sean. It's the Nightcap here on Beast. This is the Nightcap on VSIN. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCasts wherever you get your podcasts. Alongside Sean King, I'm Tim Murray in studio with us. Ten years as a Division One men's basketball coach, Mount St. Mary, Siena, most recently George Washington, Jamie and Christian with us, led a handful of teams to the NCAA tournament. So you've seen firsthand a bunch of these guys that are not only playing in the summer league, but are playing big time in the league. Yeah, you definitely tell the difference when they're in college. Too. There's like a just 
But some guys are also built more for the NBA. You know, the defense of three seconds is a real is a real change. It allows guys that are a little bit bigger to have a little bit more success. Guys that get off one leg a little bit more. Um, so it's really a different game from college to the NBA. All right, I want to let you get you're grinning ear to ear, Sean. Absolutely. So, so let her fly. What what do you what do you want to bet on? Here? When you look at this list, the odds to win the Eastern Conference. The odds we to win the about. Eastern Conference. No way. I'm taking short money on the Celtics. I think the level of effort they played with, I'm interested to see can they repeat that now that some of those guys have had success. You think that was the perfect storm. They were kind of off the radar. I think they weren't even – they were like a borderline playoff team pre-All-Star break. And then kind of it's just all-star building momentum-wise. Bucks are really good, but they're one injury away from being – like one of the least efficient offensive teams in the league, as we saw this year when Chris Middleton got injured. I mean, they went to Game Seven against the Celtics. I know, I without know. Chris Middleton, but they still one of the least efficient. They brought, they're bringing teams. back everyone. They have Joe Ingles now. I don't who, need who I love. a conversation coordinator here. I'm telling I'm, you how I'm getting to the team. I am. I am the heat bunking your the heat least efficient. The Heat just aren't good enough on offense. Kyle Lowry's way past his prime. Jimmy Butler is really the only option they have. As good as Bam can be, he's a liability on offense. You know, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson can prove and they can shoot. They haven't really feel, figured out how to fit those guys in. Raptors are good, not great. Nets, we know what's going on. No chance with the Hawks. And I, I love DeJounte Murray. I just I don't know if they have enough size. The Bulls. No. First team that interests me. Nope. People forget how good the Bulls were before they had all these injuries. So they're going to get back DeRozan, who averaged 28 a game. You have a rock-solid center in Vucevic, who's an 18-11 guy last year. But you're going to get Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, and Alex Caruso back for a full season, who were all injured the majority or for major parts of last year. That's a heck of a team at 20-1. to Like, I'm not saying they're the favorite, but I'm saying if I'm buying stock, if I'm looking to get in on Bitcoin at $100 and it's going to go up to $60,000, I mean, that's a solid core group of guys that Chicago has when healthy. The second team is the Cavs. Arguably, in my opinion, the best front court in the NBA. I actually would take Jared Allen and Evan Mobley over Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. That's just me. Darius Garland emerged as an up-and-coming player. Colin Sexton, no matter what they say, they need his offensive talent. So you're looking at a core group in Cleveland that's going to get better. I didn't even mention marketing and Kevin Love and uh, – the one other guy that got the kind of Karis Levert. Karis Levert. So they got some pieces, you know. So I'm gonna get twenty to one on the Bulls and twenty eight to one on the Cavs. I'm taking that Don't take over that. any of those shorter prices. I, that's just me. Jamie, I mean, I think it's a valid argument. I mean, I think they're better than what those numbers would suggest. But I don't know if they have enough to win an NBA championship. But this I think is just the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think the they're better than than their numbers would suggest. I mean, the Bulls. Such a dominant team. My question is Lonzo Ball's injury. You know, where is he at with that? You know, we have reports that he had a setback, and and it was a pretty pretty long setback. So where is he at with that? Because he it does change the dynamic of that team. His defensive presence, his ability to move the ball. You know, one thing when you have Levine and DeRozan, you need a guy that can move the ball, and Lonzo does that. So that team changes dramatically without him. Russo obviously knows the impact that he can make as a glue guy, but Lonzo is really that centerpiece that gets everything going. And so if he's out of that lineup or not the same guy, you know, that 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 I would be worried about that if I'm a Bulls fan. I would be more intrigued by the Cavaliers. And I know they flamed out. And I forgot they added a a a, a jobby. Yeah, Ochai Abadji. Which what gives him another athletic wing. Yeah. All he has to do is play defense <laughs> and occasionally knock down a jumper. 
Well, how do you think? So let's kind of jump into the rookies as we're watching them here. Jamie and Christian uh, spent the last decade as a Division One men's basketball coach. Ochai Abaji, national champion, great college player. How does his game translate to the NBA? Uh, well, I think he's he's an outstanding shooter, and and I think he has the ability to be a great defender. So I think his game will translate. I just don't know if he'll help them this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we named a lot of guys on that right. team that can really play. So you know, he's behind Karis Levert. Right. Like, you know, he's got and he's an outstanding scorer. So I don't know if he's going to be have the ability to impact the game this year at, at the level that that maybe we're anticipating because where he was drafted at. I love the way he can shoot the ball, the catch and shoot. But so much in the NBA right now is being able to shoot the ball off the move, off the DHO, off the pick and roll. I don't know those areas right there. He didn't get a chance to show those things. That in Kansas, watching the summer league, he, he wasn't making shots off the bounce. He was only making shots off the catch. So I think that's going to be interesting to kind of see. But I think over time, he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, and and, and kind of jumping into the rookie conversation. Let, let's start. We'll just go in order of yeah. you know where they were drafted. Palo, you know, all the talk was he's going to go three to Houston, and then. As draft day comes, there's this push and buzz that he's going one. Ultimately, he does go one. And we were talking about a little bit earlier, Jamie, and I'm curious your thoughts on this because I feel like, and we said this before the draft, immediately I felt like Paolo's game was the most ready to contribute in multiple ways. Not to say that Chet can't be better. Not to say that Jabari Smith can't be better. But Paolo immediately. And then the situation in Orlando, yes, you've got Wagner. You know, what will Jalen Suggs do? But I think... When you're talking about most impactful rookie, I think Paolo's got a really good chance of being that guy. You know, I only he only played a couple games. What did you take from him here at Summer League, and what are your expectations year one of Paolo in Orlando? Well, I think Paolo is, is an outstanding talent. You're looking at guys that I think you mentioned are six foot eleven. He can guard a lot of different positions. I mean, he's an outstanding talent. But when you're talking about having the most impact as a rookie, you mm-hmm. got to look at the other players on his team and on sure. his roster. When I look at that roster, I just think they're so inexperienced. It's going to be hard for any of those guys to make a true impact. You know, when you're young and inexperienced, you're number one, you're going to have injuries. Mm-hmm. So someone on that roster is going to get injured just because they haven't gone through the regular rigors of the NBA season. Number two, there's going to be games every night that you've got to be able to respond to something different, a different ball screen coverage, a different pick and roll, all these different things that may come up that you you just don't have enough experience to be able to do. You've got a lot of guys on that Orlando Magic roster and the Houston Rockets roster that are learning how to do all these things, and that's just too big of a variance for me to say that he's going to have a big impact. Okay. Right? There's a lot of guys there. Um, usually the guy that has a great impact is the guy on a team with a couple of veteran guys who can kind of Scotty you know, Barnes. Scotty Barnes put his head down. He's got good defenders around him. He's got good, good understanding around him, can go and make kind of plays. So I think it's going to be hard for me to say he's going to make a huge impact um, this year just because of the inexperience that's around him. From a pure volume standpoint, he's going to get the one thing that some of those other guys won't get. He won't have a cap on his amount of attempts. Right. He'll who, have a lot of things designed who, who's for gonna, him. Who's going to pass him the ball, though? Well, Suggs. again, see, that's kind of where Jalen Suggs and Anthony and those guys, like, they got to show some growth. So my yeah. question going into the draft about who the Magic should take is who's their best player currently? Is it Franz? Wagner? Wagner, yeah. I mean, I would think that's that's kind of what worries yeah. me is they've missed. You got uh, the kid uh, from Florida State, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac's Bamba. sitting there who hadn't done anything since the injury. You know, you still don't really know what Jalen Suggs is. You know, Cole Anthony still had the most ridiculous dunk competition. (laughs) Whatever. I'm still frustrated with him about that. Um, And Mo Bamba is kind of still more project than production. So, I mean, you're right, which to me means that Paolo's going to shoot it 25 times a night if he wants to. Yeah, if if those guys move the ball. And if they move the ball in the right way. And, you know, again, when you're an experience, it's really easy for a defensive team 
That's See, Jamie, you're in your coach team. mode right there. Listen. Yeah, I mean, I'm not on a fan mode. I don't even know how to be a fan mode. It's only on one team that moves you know? the ball properly night in and night out, and they just won the championship. <laughs> I mean, the teams move it. You know, I mean, teams move it, but they. Dallas uh, moves it. They just don't have too many guys that can actually knock a shot down yeah. once they get it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's the challenging part is that, like, you know, for him to have a great year, he's got to get a lot of attempts. But the good thing with him is he can go get it off the backboard, he can push, he can, he can create his own. In a lot of different ways. I mean, he's an outstanding talent. Yes. I'd be concerned by his level of turnovers in the summer league. He had a lot of turnovers. Two mm-hmm. things I you know, wonder so about I think Paulo. That's concerning putting on the floor. They're really bother me. I'm not sure that he's elite athlete and his motor. He kind of picks and chooses, you know, when he really plays. And I'm a Duke diehard fan, so I've watched him uh, a yeah. lot closer than everybody pl- except probably the Magic. He that those two things worry me slightly. He's tall, though, so he kind of will get away with some of the lack of athleticism because I didn't realize he was as tall as he was. Right. You know, so, again, length and can shoot. He's always going to have a spot. I don't think he gets enough credit for his vision passing the ball, but he's not going to jump over a whole lot of people. You know, his change of direction is good, not great. So, to me, that, that'll be the interesting part. Can he stay in front of anybody on the defensive end, or is it just going to be like all of his plays come from, like, helping from a block standpoint? There are a lot of concerns about his lateral movement. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it depends on how they play. They could downsize it, play him at the five. True. Now his lateral movement won't be an issue. He'll be able to keep guards in front a little bit more. They'll probably they'll probably down the coverage in the pick and roll, so he'll be able to keep guys in front. Uh, or if they switch it, you know, at late in the clock, he might be able to maintain a little bit. Well, we got to go to break. We got to get a – we got to talk about Larry Bird Jr. when we get back from this break. <laughs> I would call him more Dirk Jr., but <laughs> you want to call him Larry Bird, that's fine. Damian Christian hanging out with us. It's the nightcap here on Visa. SIN.com. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Keep it rolling here on the Nightcap. Sean King, Tim Murray, Jamie, and Christian. 10 years as a head coach in Division I basketball. Now, uh, Taking in all the sights and sounds of summer league. Your brother is it's it's in your blood. Your brother's on the what Celtics coaching staff. So I mean, it's just the Christian blood. It, it, it led you to the bench. We've all been there. My dad's a high school coach as well, so we've all <laughs> we're all crossing through that. I see why you're a good coach. I like you. You're smart. You <laughs> you agree with me. I like that. It's always a tall tale sign. If I kept Jamie around long enough, he he eventually you know he's just trying to be nice. You no. know he, he's. No, he's, he's a gentleman. He, he seems like a. And he doesn't want. He to seems like disagree. a straight shooter. I just brought up some solid points. <laughs> he told me during the break, "You're crazy about the Bulls," but I, I, you know, I'll leave that. <laughs> All right, let's get to some of these rookies. We just talked a lot about Paolo. Chet Holmgren is is so fascinating. Uh, he is now the favorite uh, to win Rookie of the Year. That has actually moved throughout this summer league circuit. He played again tonight. Um, when you look at the situation he walks into in Oklahoma City, which has just been this massive rebuild by Sam Presti, and it's, you know, they're stockpiling picks and they land two, they get Chet. That was the guy they always they, they had their eyes on. You look at Josh Giddy has kind of stepped up here. He's playing in the summer league too. They gave the bag to Lou Dort, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. But for for rookie purposes, when you look at Chet, when you look at his game and his frame, do you 
let's start with the concerns because I know that's the easy one, right? Everyone's concerned. They saw the the Kenny Lofton Jr. backing him down in in Salt Lake City. What are your concerns about Chet this year? Well, my concerns are only his body yeah. and just his ability to play through the level of physicality that every NBA player has to learn how to play through. I don't think that his injury concerns are any more than or less than anybody else, though. I mean, I think all the rookies kind of have the same injury concerns. You know, he's been in that body for a long time. <laughs> it's true. So, And he's been durable for a long time, so he knows how to operate and how to play through that. One of the best, best gifts that he has is his timing and his ability to block shots and rebound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's found a way to play through physicality. He's not a soft guy. You know, people sometimes look at a skinny guy. I'm sure you and I went through this as we were growing through basketball, right? Like, like you can be a skinny guy and be a tough guy. And I think he's a pretty tough guy. Well, Kevin Durant. He, Kevin Durant. I mean, couldn't guys, bench, what, 135 pounds? Right. And everyone was like, oh, he's, he, he can't draft him. Yeah, that's worked Absolutely. Out right. So, you know, his ability to rebound the ball and block shots. I mean, you know, he, had, he had six shots in his first first summer league game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's going to be one of the leaders in shot blocks through the course of the season because he has the ability to do that. So, you know, he's going to make them better right away on the defensive I'm big Chet Holmgren fan. I think I coach, feel like your tune has changed. No, coach hit it right on the head because I told you, like he's never going to be a bust because he's tall and he can shoot. How big of a star he becomes will be based on does he become an elite shot blocker, and ultimately as he gains weight, can he finish at the rim? Because people are going to test him. I think the reason he's going to be very good is because, as Coach said, he's not soft. Mm-mm. If he watched in the day, like they tried to bully him a couple times, he was like, "Oh no, nah, partner." Like, he's the one kid you bring to the playground, and you're like, I hope this goes well. And after the fourth game, like, people are picking him, like, after, you know, when it's their time up to play. Like, I mean, he's got, like, that dog in him. So I think Chet's going to be a really good player. The only issue will become they're a bad team in Oklahoma City. I mean, they got shy. They got, I, I like shy. He's got to shoot the three better. 30% from three is not good enough for a lead scorer. I, I understand Lou Dort's role on the team, but to pay that kind of money to a guy who shoots 40% from the field, I, you know. It's I like just, Josh Giddy. Yeah, okay, me, I like Giddy. Me, I, they got some pieces. They're a long way away from competing. Let me paint some hope here. Okay, please. <laughs> okay, let me paint some Because I'm an optimist. You know, when you look at Shai Gilson Alexander, his threes off the catch last season over 40%. Okay. All right. Um, Giddy and him didn't play, have a chance to play as much last year together because both of them kind of had some injury things. Going and I like Giddy. Right? Like, everyone loves Giddy. You know, Giddy's ability to create for others is going to be really important really help that team. But secondly, when you had a guy like Chet Holmgren in the pick-and-roll game, rolling and popping and making you have to decide on different coverages, I think Chet changes them so much offensively with the amount that Giddy's grown as a passer. Like, I'm, like, really hopeful in the Thunder. and I think they can be a team that really makes a lot of noise in the West because I think they have really good talent. I think they're going to play under control and what they need to do. And also, you know, they were one of the better defensive teams a year ago. As the, you know how hard it is to get a young team to play defense? Really hard. Again, Chet's going to make them better there. Giddy's pass and take another step. I think Shot Gildred Alexander averaged 24 and a half yep, last year. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty good yeah. for a guy. And you got Lou Dort, who also gives you some athleticism and some toughness guarding on the wings. So I think they're a team that can really make a pro- make some progress in the Western Conference if they choose to continue to do that and they want to get into the playoffs. Well, they're going. They're they're all in for the French guy. Everyone's in for the French guy. There's yeah. like seven teams in the league who are who want the uh, the kid from France. So we'll we'll see how that all plays out. Jamie and Christian hanging out here at Studio Jabari Smith. I would say he's the guy of the three so far that people and 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 what I've stressed is it's summer league. Relax a little bit. But he of the three, Jamie, has been the guy that's kind of like. Eh, you know, a little underwhelming so far. So when you look at Jabari Smith, he drops a number three there with Houston. 
concerns and excitement when you look at the the, the prospect that is Jabari Smith and, and his uh, uh, likelihood of you know having a big season as a rookie. Yeah, I don't have a ton of concerns. Uh, I think the con- with Jabari Smith, yeah. I think his game is an NBA-type game. He can defend a lot of different guys. He can make outside shots. My only concern is will the Houston Rockets have him as a pivotal part of their offensive package where he can really grow? I mean, they've got some really great wing scores, but those guys are going to have to be some be like facilitators for Jabari Smith because Jabari Smith is not a guy that's going to put on the floor two or three dribbles. He's a guy that's going to really spot up and make shots. And if they use him really well, Jalen Green, those guys use him really well, he's going to make their job a lot easier. So that's my only concern is like how are they going to use him? Like who's going to pass on the ball and really use it, allow him to take his value to the next level? So – First of all, let me just say this about Jabari Smith. I think he's going to be a 10, 15-year starter. He's going to be a stretch forward that, like you said, can catch and shoot. His rebounding is always going to sustain him. I think his rookie year, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a 12-10 and 10 guy. I really do. I don't know if he'll get the volume of shots to, to be in, in the 20, but he can really shoot the basketball, and he's shown that he can rebound the basketball. I think whether or not he develops – some form of a back-to-the-basket game will determine how high his ceiling becomes. Because I don't think he's ever going to be like a put the ball on the floor and, and wow you with his handles you know, type of player. But if he can develop a Michael Jordan, Kobe S back-to-the-basket game where he can shoot the fall away, where he has a couple go-to moves, where he can get some easy buckets, you know, then I think he can turn into an NBA all-star. But his ceiling, is, his floor, in my opinion, is really high because he can shoot and he can rebound. Yeah, and I think when he becomes a pivotal part of the offense, that's when he can really you know, make that jump. You know, But right now, he's a catch-and-shoot guy, and he's got to be on a roster that moves the ball to him. I watched in Summer League the other day. They weren't moving the ball to him. The second game, he was trying to really create for himself. That's not really the strength of his game right now. But again, a great catch-and-shoot guy, a great prospect. And he's got a great body. I love his upbringing. You know, yeah. Having a father that's been in the NBA, I mean, there have been a lot of successful guys that have played better in the NBA than they did in college with their parents being in the NBA or in the WNBA with a guy like Javel McGee. So I think there is something into the pedigree of, the, of some of these young guys. Same thing happened to an Auburn. With them yeah, two, with those guards? Them two YOLO guards they got. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned, you know, great upbringing and, uh, and pedigree. Well, Jaden Ivey's mother was in the WNBA, uh, and she's now the head coach of, of Notre Dame. His father uh, was, uh, I think he played a little bit in the NFL. Uh, but the situation he walks into, Man, that team's going to be fun to watch. You got Cade Cunningham. You know they get they end up getting Duran. Uh, you know they've got Marvin Bagley they, started to they, become a good player. They've got, got Sadiq Bay there. Yeah. So they're a young team. You know, are they too young, Jamie, and for for Jaden Ivy to kind of find that groove? Because I think Jaden Ivy's got the potential. He's got the athleticism. I don't think there's any worry about athleticism. Shot making's a little worrisome. But you look at some of the passes. I know Sean was drooling over like first play of the game in a summer league, just alley oop to Dern. How do you ex- what do you expect from Ivy this year? Yeah, well, I think the Pistons, the Thunder, and the Spurs had the best drafts. I mean, their draft nights really changed their, their franchise. Um, what I love about Jaden Ivy is he gives me like a Dwayne Wade type of feel, like such a great athlete, and those guys always perform well in in the NBA. You know, it's like. It was like he would have these charges. I like charges turnovers. He'd have these charges where he just ran over guys because there was like you're allowed to be in the lane. And it wasn't because he didn't understand it. because he was moving so fast. So I think that's going to be really challenging to play against. I mean, remember, Kay Cunningham's a really good outside shooter. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be able to, you know, those two guards being able to play off one another can be really exciting. Jalen Durant can bring the ball to the floor and create. So now you got another good athlete getting out there on the floor with Jaden Ivey. Like, I think they've, they have a really good team. So I, I don't have any concerns with Jaden Ivey. Like, I thought he was 
I thought he was as, as talented a prospect as there was with his size and athleticism. Do you, do you think, and we only have a minute here, do you think that the two bigs that uh, Purdue had, I don't want to you know, knock those two guys, but they they were big and log. Does the NBA accentuate his yeah. strengths? Yeah, he's built for the NBA. I mean, Purdue's throwing the ball inside every time, and it works for them, and it's great, and that's why they're a dominant team. Except against but, St. Peter's. But that didn't help. That didn't help him. You yeah. know, because of college basketball, because you can have a guy standing in the middle of the lane, right? You can nullify a big. You know, so that's why it's so hard to have a dominant big man in college basketball. But with his athleticism, he would have been better in a four out one in system where he's able to get to the front of the rim, and that's where he's going to play in in, in in the NBA. He's going to be box office. He's going to lead the highlights. He's explosive. He's athletic. I love the Dwayne Wade comparison. He will succeed in Detroit for one reason, because they traded Jeremy Grant. So now they have all those extra looks on Knocking the way. my DMV brother, Jeremy Grant, man. That's that's messed up. Jamie and we appreciate it. Jamie and Christian, D1 men's basketball coach for a decade. It is the nightcap here on Visa. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. VEASAN will be broadcasting live from NBA Summer League now through July 17th. Catch the Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific from the NBA Summer League every weekday. We'll also have some special guests, exclusive content, live updates all throughout our VEASAN shows. For more, follow us on VEASAN at VEASAN Live on Twitter or check out the YouTube page at VEASAN. Thanks again. Uh, for Jamie and Christian, uh, 10 years as a Division One men's basketball coach, uh, hanging out with us, talking some hoop. Sean is very curious about what is going on in the Arizona-San Francisco game. Sean. I mean, hey, man, I just want Gil to feel a little bit of this pain, <laughs> you know, that we felt earlier today. 
By the way, he is alluding to the. Is that a little petty of me? I. It's fine, Captain Petty. We're 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 in a competition here. Absolutely. The base the baseball pentathlon is going on right now, and this is the first night we all played totals. We felt great up until you know Aaron Nolan decided to give up three runs in the bottom of the fifth, so we had under three and a half, a little plus money. Doesn't come home. Three runs in the bottom of the fifth. Three one after five. That would be a loser for us. So the final game to keep an eye on is Gill, the host of the numbers a numbers game. He has D-backs Giants under eight. It is four two in the bottom of the eighth. Giants have men on second and third. Sean, look at that grin on Sean's face. All I need is a base hit. All I need is a base hit. Just a base hit. Misery loves company. Sorry, Gil. It's not personal. Strictly competition. Competition. All right. Uh, so, we've had uh, hit on a lot of things. We talked some Saints today. Sean is a big believer in over eight wins for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, man, I like what they're doing on offense. A lot of key personnel that I think has the opportunity to be, you know, elite. You know, you get Michael Thomas back. A lot of people forget he was one of the top five receivers, you know, in football. So, if not higher than that. Yeah, so, I mean, you're getting, like, that's a key acquisition, you know, to have, you know, back on your offense. Then Jarvis Landry comes, who's... What, how do you think his role is going to be? I'm curious. Solid. Got dependable. Slot guy. You know, who's one of those guys on is third down can get open. Is happy? Yes, absolutely. I think that I think Jameis has a big year. I think so, too. I really do. And that's why I think plus 550 for him to win... Comeback player of the year is is a good bet. I don't understand why Derrick Henry's the favorite. He came back in the playoffs. So, I mean, I know he was hurt, but he came back last year. Yeah. Uh, and I think Jameis coming off the ACL is is primed with all those weapons there. Now the question is certainly Alvin Kamara and are you know will he be suspended at some point? Who knows? Um, but you like over eight wins. Over eight wins. I like Jameis Winston, comeback player of the year, plus 550 right now at DraftKings. Well, I think you got to put a portfolio together with the Saints. And, I mean, I, like I said, you know, and like we kind of looked at those numbers, I know it all comes down to injury, but Michael Thomas can get the 800 receiving yards in eight games, Sean. I mean, he's that good of a player. I'm with you. So the over-under right now in receiving yards is 800. It is... If if he plays fourteen games, he's going. He's sailing over that number. So you know something. I mean, look at Chris Olave is only seventy one and a half yards less than than Michael Thomas or seventy one, eighty one and a half. Good math, Tim. Uh, but still, you get my point. So uh, that was the Saints tomorrow. Who are we doing tomorrow? We're we're sticking in the NFC South. Falcons tomorrow. That won't take long. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, has, Sean has spoken so many high superlatives listen, of, uh, listen. of the Atlanta Falcons. That team will have Felipe Franks or Desmond Ritter at quarterback before the start of week two. <laughs> Marcus Mariota hates. No uh, way he makes tweets. it through a whole game Sean King. healthy. <laughs> uh, and we will hit on another uh, conference uh, for college football. We got. We'll figure it out. We're going to do a Power Five conference a day because Sean, this is. The last time you and I are together for like three, four weeks. Yeah, man, I'm going to miss you. You're going to do some morning shows. Yep. We're going to have some vacation. You're going to get inducted into a Hall of Fame. So we got, we got some time. We got some time. So I wanted to sneak in some college football before we really cut to the grindstone in the month of August. So tonight was the Big 12, 
And uh, Sean is high on those purple cats. That's right. Picking Kansas State to win the 2022 Big 12 championship in football. I love Adrian Martinez and his fit there in Manhattan. Loving oh. and Adrian Martinez. They get Deuce Vaughn back at wide receiver. And I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Chris Kleiman as a head coach. I am too. I, I really am. I think he's done an under-the-radar job there. And then I think because of the departures at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, they're going to regress. And so now it's just Baylor. If Baylor made the right decision at quarterback going with Blake uh, Shopping instead of uh, Bohannon, then they're going to be tough because they do have the majority of that defense back. But they have question marks at, at running back and receiver. Now, granted, a team in the heart of Texas generally is not going to have a, a lot of trouble finding, you know, skill position guys. But, hey, I'll roll my dice. I get Kansas State at 16-1. to If I'm in the Big 12 championship game versus Baylor, I'll take that. Uh, yeah, that is uh, – I, I find it hard to see them beating a big-time team twice in the same season or in that spot, but – I I think the intrigue is there. I, I don't think it's crazy. I certainly don't. Uh, Texas is going to be fun to watch, but I still think they have some yeah. deficiencies on they'll, that they'll, defense. They'll take some bad losses this yeah. year. So uh, Kansas State, I think, what, it's seven and a half? Did they lose to Kansas last year? Oh, hey, my goodness. Was it last year? Yeah, pretty sure. I know a couple years ago they did. All right, let's, uh, let's just quickly glance. So tomorrow for the baseball pentathlon, we have to play two games, <laughs> a favorite and an underdog. So we're not going to make our selections right now, but we could run down uh, some of the intrigue. It's not a lot of big dogs. I'll tell you this. Atlanta lost tonight to the Mets. They got Strider on the hill tomorrow. He is so impressive. Uh, so that be, that's one that could intrigue me, but it, it's early. I mean, I would want to play the Mets in that. You would? Yeah. All right, then we throw it out. What about, we got to take a dog. What about this? So you're getting a dog that's 54 and 33 on the year that understands how important this series is. You know, Peterson's been a, a – he's 5-1 and one as a starter. You know, so it's not like – you know, so we're going to have to kind of find that mm-hmm. little niche for our underdog play. Um, the Baltimore Orioles are the most profitable team in all of baseball. Problem is – They've been on fire. They are really. very short. Dogs. They're plus 105 tomorrow against the Cubs on the road. You got Jordan Lyles pitching for the Orioles. Phew, he stinks. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> can we? So, so Aaron, can you find out? Can, if we take a favorite, can we take him on the run line? Okay, no. Just got to take a favorite. Okay. Money line. We're going to lay the juice. Let me, let me dig into this a little bit tonight. You got Dylan Cease pitching for the White Sox tomorrow. I mean, because what we might could do is take – I just don't know what the – do you have odds on the uh, early Cleveland White Sox game? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Cleveland, Shane Bieber on the hill, minus 156. That might be the favorite to take, to be honest. Against Martin, yeah. White Sox? I mean, be, but, I mean – Heavy juice. Yeah, let me look at it. I don't want to make it. Houston Astros, minus 120 tomorrow against Thor. On the road at the Angels. Got Garcia against Syndergaard. What's the Angels one on the IL? Uh, um, the left fielder that hits all the home runs. Alvarez. Giordano Alvarez? Yeah, he just went on the IL. So he's not in the lineup. But I'm not saying they can't beat the Angels. I think the Angels already booked tickets for when the season's over. <laughs> they got vacations planned. Have you watched them play? None of the bad news bears in the outfield. 
By the way, I hope we can put Gill out of his misery before the show ends. Giants have first and second, one out, down one run for three. What, they throw someone out at home? Nah, so when they had second and third, the guy scored from third. Oh, they scored? Yeah. Oh, I was. I was I, yeah, the guy I, had to hold it my second. Bad. I thought it was 4 3 when they had been on second nah, and third. No, it was 4 2. Yeah. Uh, mm. Nothing jumping out of you. I thought you would try harder with the Reds. I'm a little disappointed. I might, but I got to scan the rest of the board. I don't have odds for all of these games. So I don't have anything for for White Sox, Guardians, Pirates, Marlins, Phillies, Blue Jays. Just ask a question. Yeah, I know, but I it's, give you it's hard answer. if you can't visually see it. You Chris know? Sale making his uh, his debut. You can fade him. For the Red Sox? Corey Kluber. Are your Rays going to win two in a row? Yeah, I don't know, man. Wander Franco's on the I.O. They're so finicky. Hitting. Corey they, Kluber like, They home? killed Bellow tonight, but I mean, I don't know. Let me think it through. I'm better when I have like my my Egyptian musk oil and my right. fine cigar. Well, we will, uh, and I can take my time. The uh, the plays will be tweeted out as they were today for the baseball pentathlon. Hopefully, the Diamondbacks or Giants uh, can add a couple more runs so uh, Gil can get a loss. Sorry, not sorry. Scott Seidenberg, who did win his bet, he is coming up next. Thanks to Brady Cannon, Fletcher Mackle, and Jamie and Christian for Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on VC. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.